Well, greetings, dear friends. It's good to be with you again in our Wednesday Bible studies, our Wednesday Bible classes. We're just glad, glad to be here and glad to have you with us. Um, the reality of being in Christ is what we are considering our union with the Lord Jesus. And we've been talking about that for some time. Um, it is the reality of our salvation which is set forth in type and shadow, most particularly in the feast of the Lord that were given to Jerusalem, those feasts which we spoke of here, this particular class, for about two years. All of that that is set forth in those feasts, the Passover, the Passover lamb, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and then Pentecost, and then tabernacles. All of those speak of this tremendous salvation which we to which to which we have come in Christ Jesus. There's probably much more in the types and shadows, in the testimony that is given of Christ in those feasts than we have come to understand. There is a lot more, I realize, than we were able to deal with in any depth at all for the two years that it was before us. But what we seek to do now is to bring everything that is there, including the tabernacle itself, including the temple itself, including Moses himself, or in Christ is come the greater prophet than Moses, and also Solomon himself, for in Christ is come the greater than Solomon, and the greater temple in the very person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is concerning that temple that we're, of which we are speaking, and we want to continue with that, that temple, that type, that shadow, that testimony of the Father's house, of the house of God, of the heavenly Jerusalem, the type and shadow of all of that, of heaven itself, the holy of holies, 
the entering in there of the high priest that one time during the feasts, but that one time a year, coming to find the reality of that the living reality of that in the person of Christ. It, it more and more becomes a thing that really grieves my heart. I mean, more than it used to, more than it did 20 years ago or 30 years ago, but more and more that we, that we, in much of Christianity and much in much of Christianity that we that we are still looking to the future to find the answer to the past rather than finding that answer and by that I mean the reality of, of, of old covenant the whole old covenant regime the whole old covenant system including and that includes the heart of that, in fact, is those feasts that we've been talking about and all the testimony that is bound up in them. And it just is a grievous thing to me that so many believers are still looking to the present for the reality of the past when that reality is in Christ right now. And all that those testimonies spoke of is come to be fulfilled in Christ and experienced by you and I through union with Him. A union that comes by new birth, born from above, Christ in you the summation of all the testimony given of God in Israel. Christ in you, the great expectation set forth in that testimony, now fulfilled through Christ in you. The glory, the glory of God that was spoken of throughout, <coughs> throughout most particularly, <coughs> most particularly, spoken of through Israel and throughout Israel, from, from, from the tabernacle of Moses, certainly to the temple of Solomon, the glory, the glory of God. Oh my, what, what a tremendous testimony was given of God in the types and shadow of the glory of God. Yes, even there at Mount Sinai, but most particularly in the tabernacle and then in the temple. The glory of God. And then to see so many in Christianity, Christianity, still looking for the glory of God to come. Or looking for the time when we will go to the glory of God. Sweetheart, that glory, which was always a testimony of Christ, always. Christ dwelling in his people. Christ in the midst of Israel. On and on and on. 
the glory out from which God speaks and did speak and does now speak in reality in His Son, that glory which is Christ Himself in you. And the whole point of the cross, the whole point, the whole point of Him becoming lower than the angels, took upon Himself the form of man. I'm quoting to you from the first part of Hebrews now. But the whole point of that was to bring many sons unto glory. Come on, hon. Not, not in another 2,000 years. I mean, come on. Hebrew writer is talking about what he did there at the cross and made that cross an eternal work of God finished in the Son himself. So I'm not looking to the past for the cross nor the future, but in the very reality of Christ the finished work of God. And by that hath brought us unto glory. Not, not that we will be there someday, but hath brought us unto glory. No, thank God, not some kind of a cloud hanging around or smoke. <laughs> smoke filling up a building. This is the truth. I... I don't have to make things up. I've, I've seen enough in, I've seen enough in over 60 years that I could never get it all told anyway. Well, I remember in a building one time, and uh, people, you know, uh, of the mind, you know, the glory of God coming in, the glory of God visiting, and we're going to glory and all of that. And something in that building it seems to me now it might I don't know it may have been before smoke detectors but it was something in that building in the ceiling of that building that began to smoke and it was kind of a blue haze and somebody stood up in there I was there and began to shout and jump up and down and holler about the glory of God filling the room. It was smoke. It was smoke. It could have, I suppose, uh, you know, feasibly burnt the building down, but it, it didn't have a flame to it. It just had a smoke to it. But, hon, people just went crazy. Now, nobody ran out of the building. They were just running around the building. The glory of God. The glory of God. Well, the glory of God is Christ himself. And we're talking about our union with him. We're talking about the reality of being in Christ. A union which speaks of a full and complete work of the Spirit of God. You shall know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. What a tremendous thing. What a tremendous thing our salvation is. And we've been talking about it, but it's just continually on my heart, and so just to bring us together, because I know there's folks that come along from time to time and haven't been with us in maybe any of these classes. 
We've been looking at, in, 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 along with this, we've been looking at what Jesus said in, uh, that was recorded in Matthew 16, uh, verse 13 through verse 20. And he talks there about, I will build my church. I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But everything that is spoken there, there's an order. There's an order that is set forth there. Because before the church is ever spoken of, the church which is his body, and the, the, the fullness, the fullness uh, of Christ uh, dwelling in that church and before the church is ever really spoken of, Christ speaks of himself. And what kind of an order am I talking about? I'm talking about the order, let's just say the order of the head. Before before there is a body, in spiritual terms, in spiritual reality, before there's a body, there is the head. Christ himself is the head. And it is by the head, which is Christ, that the body exists. Now, we can go through Scripture here and, and look at that order all the time, and it'll always be head first and then the body. Always will be, even if it's speaking of resurrection, head first and then the body. Given him to be head over all things. The church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all, growing up into him in all things, who is the head, even Christ. All things gathered up in the head, all things gathered together and held together by the head. Uh, all the way through the scripture, the importance of that order, that it is first Christ, afterward they that are his in his presence. Paul speaking of Christ being the resurrection of his body in 1 Corinthians 15. But it's always that way. Always, the order is always first Christ. Christ the first fruit. Christ, uh, look at it back, back in, in, in Passover. Look at, look at it in Passover. There's one feast comes out. And it's the feast of the wave offering, the feast of the uh, of, of 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 harvest there, and well, there's only one sheaf that is that is raised, and that is waved, and that goes on. Fifty days later, you find the harvest, but there you find a different wave offering, a wave offering that represents the body that you and I now are but in type and shadow then represents uh, the body. 
the loaves of bread were waved, but they were waved with two lambs. But back at that 50 days before that, at the Passover, one sheaf was raised. And that, that was not only before the harvest, it, 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 it was the very embodiment of the fullness of the harvest. Why? Because the harvest was of that particular seed. Well, all right, all of those things we've probably gone over anyway. But the order, honey, if you and I are to understand the church, which is his body, we must do so through the understanding of Christ, whose body we are. And that's part of what I want to talk about today. The church, his body, in reference to him. Finding who we are through finding who he is. Because everything we are spiritually, everything we are as his body, the church, is because he is made that unto us. You know where that's found. I mean, come on, 1 Corinthians, second chapter, right toward the end of that, just getting started in that letter, Paul says, but of God are you in Christ Jesus. In We've said this again and again. Many of you probably know it, the word in, how that is actually defined by all commentators. Doing a word search, the little word that is used there, the little initials E-N, relating to the word in. And it means, it means a relationship a relationship in Christ, a relationship in time, in order, in place, in state of being, a relationship, some commentators will point out, of rest, a relationship into which you and I have been brought, a real relationship that our soul finds in the very indwelling spirit of Christ. But of God, are you in Christ there? I think that's probably verse 30. Last part of the chapter 1, 1 Corinthians 1. But of God, are you in Christ? Who is made unto us? Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption. Now those are terms relating to our salvation, and Paul could have used every term that he knew with regard to our salvation, and he wouldn't have exhausted the list, because that's who Christ is. as the head 
the fullness, the substance, the life, and the resurrection of his body, the church. So now it's with regard to that resurrection that I want us to look here for a while. Now, in uh, Matthew 16, we've seen, I will build my church. We'll come back to that a little later. Um, the thought that came to me along with that, and I jotted it down, and now just am looking at it. I trust by the, by the Spirit of the Lord, but it is something that is very much on my heart with regard to that very church. In John 2, 13 through 21, I will raise it up. I will raise it up. And he's speaking there distinctly concerning the body of Christ that you and I now are. Isn't that, I mean, the more I think about that, the more amazing it is, the more solid and concrete the importance of it becomes in my heart. That he looked at one temple which had been for, well, a thousand years, back since not only the time of Solomon, but actually Moses with the tabernacle. Looking at that thing in the day in while he is on earth. And using that that had been revered of Israel, basically since there had been an Israel under Moses, to speak of his body, the church. Here in John 2, verse 13, it's during the time of Passover, so it's during the time of the cross, and he's talking about bringing forth an altogether other temple, tabernacle, house of God, than the one that they are questioning him about at that very time, asking him, what authority he had in going in and cleaning it out, getting rid of the getting rid of all of the types and shadows in there. And the men who are using them now in such an obscene way, making even making even their religion a vile thing. The money changers are there. They are buying the sacrifices and all of that. All of that. 
And the Jews' Passover was at hand. Verse 13, chapter 2, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And I mentioned last Sunday here that this was the first time that he came to the temple uh, in Jerusalem. By that I meant the first time in his ministry. Uh, he was there as I think, you know, a young boy, 12 years old. But this is the first time he came presenting himself in this way. that we're looking at here. And he does this at the very beginning of his ministry. And so it was the time of the Jews' Passover. And he found in the temple those that sold oxen, sheep, doves, changers of money, setting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he simply drove all of them out. And said unto them, uh, take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And the Jews, let me just skip on down, ask him, what signs showest thou unto us? I don't know how many times they asked him of that, but this was not the last time that they would do it. And more or less, I mean, his answer was always concerning the cross. Always was. In one place it was concerning uh, Jonah in the belly of the whale for three days. But it was always, the answer was always the cross. Always the cross. There is where he was manifested of the Father as the Christ of God. So every time they wanted signs, he took them to the cross one way or another. But here, but here, he is talking about something specific. They were talking about this temple, and he was talking about a temple that was greater. Verse 19, Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple. Destroy this temple. And in three days I will raise it up. Verse 21, He spake of the temple of His body. Now, we could stay a long time with this, these verses and just consider what, what he is saying here. Destroy this temple. In three days, I will raise it up. There's other times that he said this, but I, I don't want to talk about those. That was in reference to a complete destruction of, of Israel, the temple, the city, and, and all of that. That came in about 70 A.D., but here, here he's talking about specifically the cross. 
not something that came after the cross as a result of the cross or all of the other reasons why it took place. No, here is the cross. Here, you and I, you and I may not be able in our salvation, maybe we can, I don't know, but may not be able in our salvation to relate so much to the destruction of the city and the temple uh, and of Judaism and all of that in 70 A.D. when it was all wiped off of the face of the earth. But darling, the cross is not just an event in history. The cross is the divine work of God finished in His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. It is in reference to that that he says, Father, I have finished the work that thou gavest me to do. A lot, of, a lot of repercussions come out of that with the Jews throughout another 40 years and, and all. Yes, yes, much, much of that. But the work itself that he, that he actually becomes the personification of the personification of that work itself, that finished work, is with the cross. It's his death, his burial, his resurrection. Actually gathers into itself because that, that's all about him. Now him with regard to his body, him in a way that he can relate all of that, his death, burial, and resurrection, to his body. So when we see the cross as his death, burial, and resurrection, we have to understand the ascension is necessary, his return, as he said he would, in fullness of spirit, fullness of spirit, therefore being the fullness of the day of Pentecost. To indwell, to indwell those that are there waiting, waiting upon his return. I will come again. I will come again, and in that day you will know. I'm in my Father. You're in me, and I'm in you. So when we talk about a finished work here relating to the cross, because it is, hon, but the cross gathers all of that into itself. So the cross is not just a several-day event in history, no, but an eternal reality in Christ Jesus. A reality in which you and I are partakers. 
So who he's talking about here and what we're talking about here, with no doubt at all, the temple of his body is that body we now are. And Paul declares this in all of his epistles. The church, I will raise it up. What I wanted to just talk with you about today, not so much the church buildings that we see, because you know how we are. You know that. We, we look out and we call that the church, the church world. Some of the denominations say that they are the church and nobody else is, and, and, and all of that. We, we know all. We know that. But that is not primarily the church that I'm talking about at all, and certainly not the one he's talking about at all. Yes, he's talking about believers, he's talking about you and I, but he's talking about those, hun, who are in him. Now, I have no problem with various denominations and various movements within the, what we say, the vernacular. Let me use it. You understand it. Within the church, within the church world. I, I really have no problem with that until we begin to use that as a definition of our, of our relationship with Christ. Christ is not something that I join, somebody that I join, something, you know, none of that. I have no problem with, you know, gathering local assemblies. My Lord, I've spent my life going to local gatherings of the body of Christ, and that in, in a large part of the world and in more, you know, uh, more races and creeds and kind. So I have no problem with the Lord's body meeting wherever it meets, whether it's right here where I'm sitting now, or someplace in Africa, or China, or some other parts of the world, or some other state in the United States, wherever believers are gathered together. But I'm telling you, darling, the church is not defined by the, by the buildings in which we gather, or by the names of the fellowship by which we are identified one with another. No, that you understand there's got to be something higher than that, greater than that. Because all of that, all of that in time will pass away. Buildings pass away. Uh, organizations pass away. Or if they don't just pass away, they do change. Christ does not. I'm simply trying to tell you that the body that you are is the body of his resurrection. Now, I could sit here and just talk about it the rest of the day. But to get to the point... I will raise it up. Hun, that's the church that you are in Christ. That's the body that you are in Christ. That's the body of which he was speaking. I will raise it up. Now, if, if, let's look a little farther. In John. Let's look a little farther in John. John, uh, let me see. Yeah, John 6. John 6. And uh, 
Let me read these verses to you. We'll probably come back and look at them again. You, you know, we, we don't move too fast along too quickly in these, in these little sessions and meditations that we have together because the whole purpose of this is that we finally, that something happens that our, the eyes of our understanding are enlightened and we, we actually have an inwardness an inward knowing of what the Scripture is speaking. We come to see that in the reality of spirit and truth. Well, all right. John 6, 38, 39. I came down from heaven. My, my. We'll talk about that one day. I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all that he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up in the last day. The word again is not in the original text there either. Uh, but should raise it up in the last day. Now, darling, that's not a day for you and I that is yet to come. That is a day that came and then was finished by the cross. This, this, this last day, he's going to keep talking about it here, is issued in by the cross. One place it's called the end of the world. By the cross. Now, there's, there's no doubt about what I'm telling you. I'm not making these things up. But should raise it up, in the last day. What? That which the Father hath given me. Well, let's look a little more at that. Let's look a little more at that. Verse 40. Just the next verse. And this is the will of him that sent me. He's just explaining now. That everyone which seeth the Son... And it's not with the natural eyes, but it's those who perceive the Son to be who He says He is. Actually, those who come to the Son. And believeth on Him. And, and the word there is, is like an, an ever ongoing, a continuous seeing, a continuous believing. It isn't something that I did 30 years ago, but something that I'm doing right now whatever this particular minute and hour is. And that's the way this is written. That everyone may have everlasting life. And I will raise him up. And it's, it's, it's speaking of the same thing, same resurrection. I will raise him up in the last day. And he's not talking about resurrection of dead bodies here. He's talking about the Raising up out from being dead in sin. Bringing them from death unto life. If we would take the time here in John, 
from John 2, chapter 3. There you are. Life, 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 new birth, life. Chapter 4, same thing. Chapter 5, bread of life, life, eateth me. Same thing. Chapter 6, same thing. Chapter 7, same thing. Chapter 8. Honey, I'm telling you, everything that is being presented of John with regard to Christ in those chapters and all the way through the book, but particularly what I'm talking about here, is always coming from death unto life, from death unto life, from death unto life. It is not talking about a day that's yet to come and somebody, you know, some oh, how many, how many end-time preachers has there been? A whole bunch. And a bunch of them are dead. And some more come along and there's still this end time that is, it took place with the cross. With the cross. And we've come to a new day. One of the things I wanted to and still do want us to consider and I read this Sunday that we must come to see the altogether otherness of His body, the church. And though we have this reality in earthen vessels, it's not just some kind of a made-over, uh, embittered uh, humanity. No, it is a spiritual union we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not earthy. It's not earthy. The resurrection is not of the earthy man in any way, shape, or form. The resurrection, darling, is not me living again. The resurrection is Christ living in me. And it's the same with you. His body is a resurrected body. Now there's verses that say it more clearly that we can come to as we uh, probably not go along today, but as we will come to. But I'm just staying here with, with what we can read in John. There in verse 40. Again, raise him up. In, the word at, in the Greek, there is in. In, in, this same in Christ, in whom, in the last day. And then John 6, 51 through 58, actually. And again here, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. That is so important as we go along uh, a little farther, uh, particularly in Ephesians and in, and in Hebrews with regard to our dwelling place in Christ. But just remember that. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. See, hon, everything about his body in divine order relates to him first. He must first be living bread before we have bread to eat. And if I eat it, then I live by Him. If I don't, and I die without Him, 
but he's still the living bread. The whole foundation and substance of our union with Christ, darling, is Christ himself living in you and in me. Hallelujah. He, we could say, all right, let's just say it. He's the Alpha and the Omega of it. When you and I are baptized into Christ, when we are brought there by the Spirit of God through new birth, when we're placed, let's say it that way, in Christ, we add nothing to it. But we become partakers of the fullness of it. Because the fullness of it is Christ Himself. But I add nothing to it. And I take nothing away from it. We need to get a hold of it. That's why he's head. That's why he's head, beginning, end, fullness, substance. Hallelujah. And see, that was on my mind because that's really what I wanted to talk about today. And, and I'm heading that away, but won't get that away. Because I will raise it up. I will raise it up. What I was going to look at with you, and I'll just mention it quickly, in Romans 6, 1 through 4. Romans 6, 1 through 4. Thank you, sir. Romans 6, 1 through 4. And you need to read that. Verse 4 says, That like as Christ was raised up, out from among the dead, even so we should walk in newness of life. Like as Christ. We will talk about that. I will raise it up. How is it raised up? Like as Christ was raised up. How are we raised up? Like as Christ. See, not other than Christ, not in addition to Christ, but by the very life of Christ. Well, we'll leave that because I, 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 we'll just leave it. But we're talking about resurrection here. I'm the living bread, verse 51, John 6. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. My goodness. My word. He shall live forever. What need have we for another life when Christ is the eternal life who lives in us. This same Jesus that we could read if we go far enough in John, saying, I am the resurrection and the life. 
And then he goes on and he tells Mary and Martha there, he goes on and tells them, Any man come to me, even if he come to me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And then he says, And whoever believeth in me and liveth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? If the one who is in us is the resurrection and the life, then what are we looking for in another resurrection or in another life or in something that... Why? See, it goes back to what I'm stumbling around trying to say, honey. Everything of the body must be understood in Him. The head of it, the foundation of it, the substance of it. I mean, the allness of it. The allness of it. My, my, my. Jews, therefore, verse 52, strove among themselves. Of course, that's, that's nothing new. They, they, they did that every time he said something. And then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you. Now look how closely knit this is. He uses this because he always uses these earthly things, or these speaks in, the, in, in relation to the types and shadows. Concerning spiritual things, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whosoever eateth my flesh, drinketh my blood, hath eternal life. And here it is, verse 54. I will raise him up in the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh, drinketh my blood, dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna and are dead, but he that eateth this bread shall live forever. See, he actually starts out with the types and shadows here. Of, of, of which they are all aware, even back to the manna. But then he brings it into a spiritual reality. First between he, himself, and the Father. And then brings us into that reality through our union, eating, drinking, through our union, our spiritual union, new birth, with himself. Does that again very clearly, I think more clearly, in John 14, 
We could spend a lot of time there and then on into John 17. But actually what he's saying in John 14 and in John 17 is precisely what he is saying right here, right here in these verses that I have just read. And then in John 11, 25, 26, he said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Hunt, that's speaking about you. If you are born again, that's speaking about you. That's speaking about me. That is speaking about we who are his body. We who live in him, in whom you and I, he dwells by his very spirit. And I'm simply saying today that this union is by resurrection. Not one supposed to come someday or one that was going to come at the last day. No, no, no. I will raise it up in three days. It's talking about him coming forth as the resurrection, as the life of all those who will receive him. And it begins with those who do receive him on the day of Pentecost. And it continues to right now. The reality, hon, of being in Christ. So I'll stop here. May the Lord bless you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for searching the scripture with us. If you have any questions, if you have any comments or anything to share, please give us a phone call. Send us an email. Write a letter. We genuinely love to communicate with you in any way that we can. I've had people say, well, you know, I just didn't want to take up your time. Uh, that's why we're here. That's why we're here. That we may share that time with you in ways other than we're doing right now in this class. So, let us hear from you. And speaking of that, appreciate you that sends support. Thank you for that. We've never designated any of those things, but the Lord directs, and I appreciate your response. It enables us to do what we're doing right now and what we'll be doing tomorrow, the next day, and right on through the outreach of this gospel throughout the body of Christ and around the world. 
much of it through the medium of the internet, of YouTube, and other carriers that we've had and may in time still have, but the outreach of this gospel. So the Lord bless you and thank you very much for standing with us at this time. And looking forward to seeing you in our some of our other classes here, some of our other services here, but also in this Wednesday night class. Rabin, who's here with me, of course, he's <clears throat> he's uh, sitting behind the computers and all of the stuff that puts us on the air right now. But every other class, Wednesday night class, Rabin Bird, as you well know, has that class. And so it's just a joy for us to be with you. And on behalf right now, at this day, myself and Rabin, may the Lord richly bless you. Let us know how we can help you. Amen? Amen. All right.